fire up the Millennium Falcon because it's time for a solo run. I'm going to go ahead and apologize for that terrible Star Wars pun, but you know, at some point, it was bound to happen. Welcome to the Comics That We Love, a show where I sit down each week with a guest to take our favorite stories in comics and dissect what makes them great. Sometimes the creators themselves will join in and help us understand their process and how they attack their work. I am that customer who wanders around the comic shop for an hour looking at every new indie book and asking the person behind the counter what they know about it, and also your host, Zach McCrary. Today's episode is another solo run, just me talking to you about comic stuff that I don't normally get to touch on since each episode is so hyper-specific, and this week, I've finally had the chance to do some free reading. So here's the thing, since I am a comic book podcaster, I'm sure there is probably this idea that I'm a Johnny on the spot, and that I'm up on every new book dropping at all times, and I'm reading voraciously all the latest books. That is not the case. Because I'm reading such large quantities of comics, like 40 plus issues per episode sometimes, I'm way behind on reading anything that isn't for an episode of the comics that we love. But during the holidays, I hit a bit of a lull, and I'm taking full advantage of it. I thought it would be fun to share with you some of the comics I've had the chance to read lately that may someday get their own episode, but right now are just making me excited for more to release. So, without further ado, let's have a fun conversation about the latest books that are floating my boat, shall we? This first one I have been meaning to get to for ages now, because it's from one of my favorite duos in comics, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, and that's the Best Jacket Press, Comixology, Dark Horse comic, We Have Demons. Along with them, the rest of the team is inks from Jonathan Glapian, Dave McCaig on colors, and Tom Napolitano lettering. We Have Demons released initially in October of 2021 via Comixology, but also got a print run at Dark Horse. The trade paperback is actually just dropped, like, 2022. I'm going to try and not spoil anything while still giving you a decent idea what's going on here. So, the comic follows two characters predominantly, Lam Cullen, the estranged daughter of a pastor named Cashel. Uh, When she was young, they had sort of a breach of trust and drifted apart. Now, off at college... Lamb finds out that her father was leading a secret life as a demon hunter, and there's this whole war happening in our world that we're completely unaware of. Simultaneously, the story is about Gus, Lamb's father's partner, and his constant quest for both redemption and find faith in himself. Oh, by the way, Lamb's father has passed on, which is why she comes home and winds up finding all this stuff out. This comic is gorgeous, even when it's grotesque. And believe me, it is. Lamb, as the narrator, warns us of that from the get-go. Greg Capullo's art is so detailed and on point, and kudos to Jonathan Glapian for inking it and adding to that depth. 
and the coloring from Dave McCaig really brings We Have Demons to life. I read the Comixology Digital Special Edition that gave me lots of sketches in the back, showing the original pencils, what it looked like inked, and then finally the finished colored piece. I love when you get a peek behind the curtain at how the cheese is made. That stuff's cool. What's also cool about this story is the combination of science and the metaphysical. It begs the question, what if what we think of as angels and demons in a spiritual light could actually be explained with science? Like, what if demons were a contagion and angels were people who had, down through the ages, been secretly protecting humanity with special weapons that could defeat said demons? The book has great twists and turns. I love the story of Lamb not only finding a way to deal with the death of her father, but also coming to terms with her own destiny along the way. And again, Gus's tale of redemption and belief in himself also made the story fun. But then there's a third narrative as Lamb and Gus bond over their mutual admiration for her father and realize the history they have together that Lamb had previously been completely unaware of. If you're like me, and either you just haven't gotten to this one yet, or you somehow missed it, I suggest checking out We Have Demons. It's reasonably priced everywhere I've looked, beautiful, and a great bit of writing from Scott Snyder. I know you're shocked. Yeah. Yeah, Scott Snyder wrote a good book. Surprise! Also, they ended the comic by saying, end book one. To my knowledge, there's not a book two on the way yet, and that upsets me. My second comic to catch up with is the IDW original Earth Divers Kill Columbus from writer Stephen Graham Jones, artist David Gianfelice, colorist Joanna Lafuente, and letterer Steve Wands. This is pretty cool, as Jones isn't really a comic book writer as much as a novelist and is a very impressive, award-winning novelist. This book straddles historical fiction and science fiction as the story takes place in the U.S. after apocalyptic weather events happen in the year 2112. The opening line is, The Mayans were only off by a century, as you know, 2012, 2112, with a picture of the Statue of Liberty underwater, striking image, and a great opener. So, when we've ravaged the planet and these weather events happen, everyone who can afford a ticket off the planet does so, leaving only those who couldn't. Our story centers around four Native American kids from four different tribes as they work together to go back in time and kill Christopher Columbus. How will they do that? There's a magical cave someone found that can send you to different times. One-way ticket, though. Why will they kill Christopher Columbus? They feel that killing Columbus stops the birth of America, and if America never exists, then maybe the world can be saved. It's a pretty wild idea. The art is beautifully drawn and rendered by this team with a realistic bend that keeps you grounded and story feeling real. The writing is extremely smart with lots of wit, but at the same time a focus on the very serious nature of what's being done. If you're someone who loves toying with time travel and all its theories, this is your jam. There are some very interesting questions raised in the story within the first three issues, which is what I've read so far, and I'm looking forward to finding out their answers as we progress. I can't recommend this book enough. It's unique, and it tells a story from a perspective not seen very often in comics, and I appreciate it on every level. So the next book I checked out, I've been so excited to read it. It's the KLC Press and Image Comics book, Vanish, from powerhouse team Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman, with inks by J.P. Mayer, colors from Sonia Obak, and letters from John J. Hill. 
Vanish is so damn good and raises so many possibilities for what is really going on and who is really the villain. So imagine if at the end of Harry Potter, Harry straight up murdered Voldemort in cold blood and it ruined his life afterward. He's an alcoholic hooked on drugs because he needs them just to wake up and to cope and then to sleep as well. Imagine also that Voldemort's closest soldiers got away and this has haunted Harry ever since. Then imagine that Harry finds out they're alive and posing as superheroes and goes full power vampire murder hobo on them. That's Vanish. It's dark, it's gritty, and it's not easy. I mean, it's an easy read, but the story is not. As of issue 4, the lines are kind of blurry as to who is the protagonist and who's the antagonist, and it raises a lot of deep questions like, if you've done awful things, but you were just following orders, do you deserve a second chance to try and make up for it? And also, can someone possibly be the good guy if they sent child soldiers to defeat the bad guy? Looking at you, Dumbledore. But what a wild ride it's been so far. Vanish is 100% like Harry Potter meets the boys, and I'm here for it. Ryan Stegman has once again outdone himself, and with the help of Mayer and Obak, the book just kills in the art department. I blew through the first four chapters, which very quickly help us get to know the backstory, where we've gone since then, and to understand why the dominoes are falling the way they are. I can't wait to continue reading this story, and I think you should check it out, too. When this one is complete, you will absolutely see a full deep dive on the comics that we love. You can bank on that. Another one I'm reading is Image Comics' Love Everlasting from Tom King, with art by Elsa Chartier, colors by one of my favorites, Matt Hollingsworth, and letters from Clayton Cowles. I'm a big Tom King stan. Ever since Mr. Miracle, I will read anything with his name attached. Super nice guy, too. I had the chance to meet him at Baltimore Comic Con along with Mitch Garrods, who is also such a cool person. I told <laughs> I told Mitch that, uh, and I stand by it, he has the most charming comics creator Instagram of all. Seriously. It's just, it's just so damn charming. Anyway, Love Everlasting is about a woman named Joan who at first seems to be part of one of those classic 1960s pulp romance comics as she moves to the big city with one of her best friends with dreams of making a life there. But she falls in love with her best friend's boyfriend, who is also her boss. And that's the bulk of the first issue. But we soon come to find that Joan isn't just the protagonist of this love story. She's actually kind of a prisoner. The moment she finds her happiness with a guy and she says she'll marry them, she's shifted into a completely different romance comic with a new guy in a different setting. But she starts to realize this is happening. And she also comes to find that there are consequences for not following along with the narrative. Love Everlasting is phenomenal, folks. There is an issue dedicated to a romance during World War I that absolutely captivated me. And the mystery of what is happening and why it's happening and who is pulling the strings has me impatient for more issues. Five so far. Elsa Chartier's art style is perfect for this story. It really adds to the writing so well, like a perfectly balanced rum and coke. A bit strong, but sweet enough to make you keep coming back for more. I love the way she draws her characters. It's somewhere between Pulp Comics and the Flintstones, and I mean that as a compliment, honestly. I think it's beautifully rendered. Hollingsworth is always so creative with his color palettes, too. 
and he really does a great job of adjusting what palette he's using depending on the era Joan winds up in. It flows with Chartier's art masterfully. Also, I want to point out that uh, that Elsa Chartier has a really cool YouTube channel where she talks to other creators all the time and, and does stuff with her own art. I also checked out the Image Comics book Art Brute Number 1 by W. Maxwell Prince with art from Martin Morazzo, colors by Matt Lopez and Chris O'Halloran, and lettering by good old Neon. This one is actually a reprinting. This team created this book a while back, and they've brought it now to Image with hopes that it finds a bigger audience and can make numbers enough for them to get a follow-up series, because they have plans for that. Prince and Morazzo are the duo responsible for the hit horror anthology series Ice Cream Man, if those names sounded familiar to you. And this was what they did before that together, if that helps entice you, which I hope it does. The book happens in a world where there is a separate kind of dream world, or as they call it, the world behind the canvas, where all art comes to life. Consequently, crime happens there, such as Johannes Vermeer's famous painting, The Girl with the Pearl Earring, having the pearl earring stolen. Or in the case of our first issue, the Mona Lisa has been made to wink which is somehow tied to a bunch of more terroristic activities happening around the world. There is one man that the Bureau of Artistic Integrity can call to solve the crime and save the day, but he's in an asylum and seems to have some serious mental health issues. His name? Arthur Art Brute, the dream painter. He, along with his wooden mannequin friend Manny, who comes to life in the dream world, We'll figure out who's behind everything happening, and they'll do it from the other side, where Art is completely sane and Manny is alive. I'm only on issue one, but I'm already hooked. What a wild premise, and I love the characters already. Art is like a kooky blend of John Constantine and Doctor Who, and the character who sort of pops open the door for us in this world, Director Breslin of the BAI, is the perfect straight woman to all of the insanity that is about to take place. The book is brightly colored and at times incredibly trippy looking, and I'm excited to see where this goes. I think you should hop on this train now before it leaves the station, because it's going to be a fun ride, I can already tell. And again, it's by the team that brought you Ice Cream Man. If you haven't read that one, you should totally do that too. Okay, one more, and then I'll let you go. Danger Street number one from DC Black Label by Tom King once again. Art from Jorge Fornes, colors by the man Dave Stewart, and letters once again by Clayton Cowles. This book follows a bunch of low-tier DC characters, Starman, Metamorpho, and Warlord, as they attempt to become part of the Justice League. What's their plan to do that? They're going to summon Darkseid and try to defeat him. Easy enough, right? The book also follows a group of kids on a four-wheeler. They all have weird nicknames like Good Looks and Non-Fat. They're friends with a policewoman they call Cop Lady, and by the end of issue one, you start to see how these two very different stories start coming together. Also in play is the character Creeper, who in his normal life is trying to score a job as a broadcaster for a new news network, and Manhunter, who, for some reason, has been sent to kill those kids. This is a wild first issue that seems to be setting up a story that will do that thing Tom King does best, take DC characters who no one really cares about, and make them relevant again. 
Already, I'm loving his treatment of each of these separate stories, and he's doing a great job of giving each of these silly heroes some real personality. It's similar to what he's done with Mr. Miracle and Adam Strange. Giving these kinds of characters to Tom King is the equivalent of giving them a system upgrade. I'm so curious to see how this trio of heroes attempts to defeat Darkseid, and how all of it ties back to these kids and the Creeper, and if Manhunter is going to find himself at odds with any of these other heroes as he attempts to take the kids down. I won't spoil anything, but one of the reveals from the issue number one sure does point towards some future clashing. Oh, and also, the story is being narrated by the Dr. Fate helmet, which is really interesting. And uh, it ties into the story, but I won't get any deeper than that. The art has kind of an 80s vibe for me. The style that, or maybe even 70s, honestly. The style that was most prevalent from those eras, I mean. I'm not too familiar with Fornis and if this is how he normally draws or if it's a purposeful style choice for this story, but it's working. It's working for me. And the colors also give it a nice vintage feel as well. I mean, you can't go wrong with Dave Stewart as your color guy. You just really can't. I'll definitely be following this one to the bitter end. I'm excited to see where it goes, for real. I'm loving the Black Label stuff. I've read a bunch of stuff that's come out from DC's uh, more adult fare, and this one, yeah, this one seems pretty interesting. And uh, that's going to be it for now. So thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please let me know. And if you didn't like this kind of episode, I I really would like to know that as well, honestly. As I continue to toy with different styles for different episodes, I want to make sure that what I'm doing is working for you too, because what's the point if no one's listening, right? Have a great week, and I'll see you again very soon. So, cue that wrap-up, future Zach. And that's a wrap for this week. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star review and leave us a user review on your favorite podcast app. It'll really help the show continue to grow and find new listeners. You know what else will? Tell a friend. Tell 10. If they like comics, they should know about the comics that we love. If you want to support the show and get lots of extra podcasts and other content as well, there is a Patreon that helps keep the lights on and internet connected so that we can continue bringing you that sweet nerd media. Links to that in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the show. And as always, keep reading, keep dreaming, peace. The comics that we love.